This special edition of the Digital Download Podcast was recorded for the most part live at last week's Digital Download Live event. As part of that, I held a podcasting workshop where we attempted to teach 50 complete novices how to produce a podcast from ideation to recording to editing to publishing in just two hours. So in today's show, you're going to hear their thoughts on some of the big topics that we discussed. This is Digital Download, a podcast that explores the latest thinking in digital communications, PR and social media. Here's your host, Paul Sutton. Success in creating AI could be the biggest event in the history of our civilization, but it could also be the last unless we learn how to avoid the risks. One of the groups at Digital Download Live recorded this quote from Professor Stephen Hawking as part of their podcasting workshop. And when Stephen Hawking warns of the dangers of something, you sit up and listen. I introduced the event by outlining four not inconsiderable threats to the communications industry that I've been observing as coming together to form a perfect storm, namely fake news, a crash in influencer marketing, declining content visibility and AI. The rest of the day focused on how to address those threats and to take advantage of the opportunities they present. One of the major talking points of the day was how artificial intelligence is impacting the communications industry. Stephen Waddington presented the initial results of the AI and PR panel and talked about where we are with artificial intelligence now and where we're likely to be in five years' time. So what did people make of it? This is independent consultant Gemma Petman. I think we might as well just pack our bags and go home as PR people. Artificial intelligence robots can write faster than us. They can write more cheaply than us. There's so much that they can do that will streamline PR processes. In all seriousness, I think what I've taken from Stephen this morning is that there's still huge room in PR for the human element in terms of ethics, emotion. So I think all is not lost. I think we're probably going to end up working hand in hand. It's a view echoed by Malini Majithia from Current Communications. Essentially, we work in a people industry. Humans will always be an integral part of what we do. So whatever happens with AI, it can only help us. It will never, ever replace us. We'll work hand in hand with the technology to make our industry even more efficient. Now, I'm not quite sure I agree with the view that it'll never, ever replace us. I think there's a danger in believing that we as an industry are bulletproof. And I saw enough evidence from Stephen to suggest that we need to be taking this threat really seriously. One of the most interesting things that I thought was something that Wad said at the beginning of the talk. He mentioned a quote from a US data scientist who had said that, you know, we have a tendency to exaggerate the impact of tech in the short term, but underestimate the impact in the long term. I think this is really key within the PR industry because as a whole, we're quite slow to adopt new technologies. We were way behind when it came to SEO, um, so we really don't want to find ourselves in the same position with AI. So it's really key that we start to invest now. Um, Wads actually suggested that between 5 to 10% of spend should be on tools, so that we're really able to modernise our workflows and really get together our tool stack now. That's Sarah Wilkinson, also from Carrot Communications. Overall, there was quite an air of bullish optimism in the room when it came to AI at Digital Download. Here's Abby Hawker from Falcon PR. I think that in many ways, a lot of the things that are coming are no different to some of the things we've already seen, such as Google taking over the role of what the library did. 
or I was having this conversation earlier, or a media database taking over the role of a junior PR exec who would pull together media lists for you. No, you don't need to do that. You just use, um, you know, AI basically. Yeah. You use a machine, you use yeah. a database. It's all part and parcel of the same thing. And I think that because what we do is so multifaceted, I'm hoping we'll still be all right because we'll just do more of the other stuff. The other stuff refers primarily to creativity and strategy, elements that computers can't touch humans on. Yet. Ross Milton from Performance Communications. We're going to see PR chores such as developing coverage reports, distributing press releases and even writing press releases going to the robots. We're already seeing this from tools such as CoverageBook for reporting and tools such as Hemingway for sub-editing. However, creative and strategy is an area where we have the upper hand. Now, there's an issue here with what we're collectively referring to as AI. And this is something that I discussed with Stephen Waddington in episode three of the second season of this podcast. What Ross is really referring to here is automation, whereas true AI is all about machine learning. And that's something of an unknown quantity. I think that's the point, is that we, we don't know yet. It is going to change how we all work. And, and in fact, if you look back on every technology revolution that's, that's happened in the last thousand years, at every point, people were scared and they were, there was industrial action and they thought they were going to lose their jobs. And, you know, when combine harvesters came in, which stopped people sort of taking sickles and scythes out into the fields every, every summer, you know, we moved on and actually made progress. So we don't quite know how it's going to pan out yet. Yeah, because what but did those sickles we will and scythes people end up doing? Yeah, they, they just did something else. They did something else. Clearly there was also a societal thing that they moved, they possibly moved away from rural areas, which has led to the growth of cities because you don't need so many people working on farms in the country. And everyone started doing different jobs. So we don't know how that's going to pan out yet. Chris Ritchie, COO of SQN International, raises a very interesting point. We don't know quite how the threat of AI will pan out, but it's initiatives like the AI and PR panel that will inform us, and I think it's really important that we keep up to date with that research. During the introduction to Digital Download Live, I showed everyone two paragraphs of sports commentary, one written by a human and one written by a robot, and I asked them to identify which was which. Now, there was pretty much a 50-50 split in the room. With all due respect to the delegates, a room full of monkeys would have got the same results. Um. I think it's quite interesting because my main job is copywriting, and obviously it's one of the jobs that AI is going to be able to take over. But I also think it was interesting that, at least at the moment, I could tell the difference between what was written by a person and what was written by a machine. So I think, like Paul said, we're probably about five years away from when it becomes like a threat to my job in specific. Yeah, because I didn't notice the difference. I got it wrong. <laughs> yeah, same here. I think it varies depending on what you do and everything yeah. and how much maybe copywriting is part of your job. The interesting point was that that was done nine years ago yeah. and the technology has come on leaps and bounds since then and I think people who write casually I don't mean in terms of their style I mean in terms of it's just something that they do every so often I think it'll be quite noticeable that that part of their role would go away quite quickly and yeah. be replaced by AI so if, they, if they're not already outsourcing it to a professional copywriter in one sense or another I think that could get replaced quite quickly Again, I debate the assertion of Rachel Dakin from Lanson that it will be five years before copywriting is really under threat from AI. I get that copywriters don't want to believe that a machine can write with the same emotion and the same detail that they can, but the evidence, maybe, suggests otherwise. Five years is quite simply too long a timescale. So where do we go from here? Catherine Lane. 
So I think what PR agencies can do now is look at the skills that they have within their organisation currently and compare that against where AI tools are going to have the biggest impact. So if there's a lot of data analysis happening within your organisation, you might want to think about over time how those skills are going to be replaced because the tools are now available to start doing a lot of the desk research that we do as PR people in terms of measuring impact of campaigns and things like that. I think the other thing that you need to be thinking about is developing the skills within your organisation and switching to those skills that AI can't replace. So in terms of those skills where there is a lot of value add, the creative side of things, and investing in staff with those skills. So in essence, I do believe as an industry though, we are used to adapting and all this, though this is a big change, I'm very positive about our ability to adapt to that change very quickly. Another area that sparked lots of discussion and debate in the room was that of trust and of meaningful content. Fake news has been a big issue for a couple of years now and shows no real signs of disappearing. I made the point when talking about this that it doesn't really matter if we in the communications industry hate fake news or act ethically. If the general public doesn't believe what it reads, it makes our jobs ten times harder. Clearly the thing about fake news is, is, is an issue that concerns all of us. Fake news, well, yeah, yeah, how do you feel about fake news? Because to me, PR has always been about smoke and mirrors. Not that that's what I do, but we've always been accused yeah. of, of spin. fluff. Classic spin. spin, fluff, nonsense. That's what PR people do, yeah. which is actually a load of nonsense. I see fake news as kind of um, a modern day version of that, really. Yes. I actually think it's really interesting because there was recent coverage about George Osborne taking um, paid articles in the Evening Standard and there was a lot of, I saw a lot of reaction to people comparing it to fake news and just being like, how can you trust what's there? And I was already thinking, well, you've already got advertorials. There's there's probably quite a lot that people don't take in that is actually branded content already. So um, I think that will be an interesting issue going forward if, it, if fake news makes it become more of, you know, public consciousness to look out for is this authentic content that I can trust or is this content that's been sponsored by a brand and and everything else well I think the two issues might become slightly confused yes and it's been going on for a long time as you say people can't filter between advertorials and, and adverts and editorial how are you going to expect them to be able to filter fake news and the thing is one person's fake news is another person's gospel and who is the person that's I mean clearly things that are fictitious um, and can clearly be proven to be fictitious can label as fake news but who's who's the arbiter of what is fake news or not and what is a story and what is just a different angle on the, on the same thing I think one way of looking at the issue is when you see somebody accused of rape so you know there's no anonymity the guy is accused of rape and then they go through all of the not all of the kind of character assassination this guy's been accused and then it comes out the other end when he hasn't actually done it and yet all of the coverage and the accusations yeah. are what you will find at the top of google when you do a search you won't yeah. find that actually he was let off he didn't actually do yeah. it and it, it, it's a little bit like that to me it's yeah. kind of the, the danger is that it does become some people's gospel and when the truth does come out the truth is sort of a little dismissed of it no one cares about the truth yeah. that's yeah. the problem They've, gotten it. Well, they've, they've kind of moved on and they've just left with this 
dodgy feeling about the person. Yeah, well, it's the, the attention and deficit. And they don't know why. Yeah, that's exactly it. That the attention exactly deficit right. society. And it, yeah. and sort yeah. of, okay, you just picked up the headline that this guy was accused <laughs> so of rape. True. Let's not worry about whether yeah. he was guilty or not. It's yeah. absolutely true. And look at um, Cliff Richard now and all the yeah. stuff that's going on with him. Yeah. He, he's saying that it's ruined his life and it's ruined his career and everything else. But this is the trouble now. Mm. If you just have a general conversation and bring him in, they're like, oh, wasn't he, didn't he do, didn't he do something? Was, isn't he... Okay. Yeah, and, and the rest of it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's just that, like you say, it's like the bitter aftertaste remains, even though the actual accusation was false. Smart home brand manager Sanam Dada from Bosch has an interesting perspective on this from a brand's point of view. From a brand perspective, like I work in smart home, and we just get so much like negativity in the press all the time about data security, privacy concerns, and it's just a case of actually like we're obviously trying to sell a product out there that actually is secure, and so our customer data is purely kept for the customer, and that's something that we pride ourselves on as a company. So it's not like we're out there sort of fishing for data so that we can reuse it. And all you ever see spanned across articles is information about brands, that products have obviously not worked properly, or where is your data going, and where's your security going, and where's your sort of consumer data, you know, where's it ending up at the end of the day? And, you know, you, you often read stories and things about, for example, brands like Amazon, and you know you can use your Alexa and you, you can uh, unlock your front door, you, you know, using your voice through Ring, and then that just massively has an impact for a brand because we don't even operate in that space, but automatically then we get people at events asking us about how are your products secure or how are things, where is my data going, and it's, it's completely different to what you know you all experience from a PR perspective, but from a fake news angle but it's just interesting to actually really understand how much the news can impact all brands both globally and that impact is being felt right across the board Gemma's story works for polpeo which runs social media crisis simulations one of our most popular um, scenarios is the data breach scenario because everybody is so kind of scared about what will happen and how they're going to be attacked if there's a data breach it's just interesting to see how worried people are about it So let's add data privacy to those four threats I outlined at the start of today's show, shall we? My big hope is that if you are listening to this podcast, you're among the progressive professionals who want to stay ahead of the game when it comes to all of the technological changes happening in the communications industry. If that's you, head over to the Digital Communications Pros Facebook group, where we'll be driving this agenda hard for the benefit of everyone concerned in the foreseeable future. In the meantime, thanks for listening. Oh, and one final thing. I don't think everyone in the podcasting workshop was taking it 100% seriously. Siri, what's for dinner? Beans, beans are good for your heart, with only a few minor disadvantages. 